Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. For our listeners, a lot of you have been hearing me talking about the time that it takes to build a successful CPG product, and it is a long journey and has lots of highs and lows along there. But ultimately, you can find success and a path forward. I love to introduce you to Lindsay Cunningham, who is the CEO and co-founder of Rolling Greens. And today, we're going to be unpacking her story on how she started the brand as as a food truck and it's evolved into CPG product and how she's been building that business for over 12 and a half years. You know, as I mentioned, it started as a food truck in Boulder in the 80s and the brand changed into an accessible and sustainably sourced chef curated meat alternative for at-home cooking with ingredients you can recognize without additive fillers. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So I love to unpack, you know, what it was like starting at the beginning. Why a food truck and what were your first steps in getting started? Yeah. So back in late 2010, we're a husband and wife team. So my husband and I were not married at the time, but we wanted to start a restaurant with Chef Co's culinary background and my marketing and business background. We thought it was the perfect recipe. And we actually, it was kind of right as the food truck craze was happening. And we decided this is a better lower cost way to penetrate the market than a brick and mortar. Let's start with a food truck. So we were off to the races, building and designing our first food truck. And it wasn't until then that we learned about Ryan's family legacy. So I toggle back and forth. My husband and business partner's name is Ryan Cunningham, but people call him Chef Cup. Just a little bit of context there. So um, his family actually had Boulder, Colorado's first organic food truck back in 1980. They had three kids and they got pregnant with Ryan. And so they stopped the food truck. So it was very serendipitous that 35 years later, he was the one to start the food truck back up. That is amazing. So you to start the food truck. And what was that like? Starting the food truck and maintaining the food truck was a daily battle. I'll say that, you know, working with your husband, you know, a husband and wife team, you're in very high pressure, high stakes situation at all time. It can be the hottest weather, 110 degrees, or it could be free, you know, in a snowstorm. So we weathered all of the storms literally, but it was also, you know, so there was lots of lows, but tons of highs. I mean, at the end of the day, our goal was to feed consumers and make them happy with healthy, local and organic products. And that's what we did. So our consumers, our customers, they became our family and they would see us week after week, day after day at the farmer's market. They'd hire us for weddings. We did thousands of events a year and just worked seven days a week, hundred hour weeks. That's all we did is rolling greens. And we put the work in. What were your first products when you started? You know, we focused on organic and local. So about 80% was all from local farmers. We always had the philosophy of knowing your farmers, the energetics and food when you know where it comes from tastes so much better. And it really was a philosophy that we carried, but we had like, we were not fully plant-based at the time. It was the focus on organic and local. It wasn't until we decided to start the CPG line, consumer packaged goods, that we decided to be a 
100% plant-based. But some of the items we did were Korean bulgogi beef tacos, a stuffed poblano cheeseburger, all grass-fed beef, beet salad, paid homage to his mother with her famous beet salad and lots of salads, lots of exciting food, our jalapeno poppers, and most importantly, our millet tots were the first product that then we took into market because they were so popular and didn't exist in the marketplace. That's exciting. And so all those sound delicious and I would absolutely eat those. I have to think about lunch right now. And so, I mean, I can definitely understand why you probably got out of the food truck business. <laughs> it's definitely challenging and intense all the time. So tell me about when you made that transition to a CPG product and why you decided to go with plant-based products to do so. Yeah, and also the tempeh tacos that we have had were phenomenal and all of Chef Co's sauces, but really people would line around the corner for hours waiting on Chef Co's food. And we knew we had something really special and we wanted to feed the world healthy, tasty, affordable food. And the best way to do that was to bring it to market. And so we chose our millet tots, which were the only non-potato whole grain tot on the market. They filled a gap. They're all plant-based. And so that's kind of the product we started with. Then shortly after we launched our crispy cauliflower wings, we had a lot of success in the frozen category, but through the pandemic with, you know, supply chain issues, rising costs, we had developed a shelf-stable plant-based meat line. And the feedback that we were getting online from it was so overwhelmingly positive and truly knew that that was a more sustainable approach than frozen being shelf stable, both for our bottom line and the planet. And so that's when we made the decision to pivot out of frozen and just focus on our shelf stable plant-based food line. Well, as we all know, frozen is a very challenging category from a logistical standpoint, a manufacturing standpoint, and a sales standpoint. And so pretty much across the board, what was the innovation that allowed you to to create a shelf-stable plant-based meal alternative. What are the ingredients that you're using? Is there a hero ingredient that's in there? And what are you really finding that consumers are attracted to about it? Yeah. I mean, I think our mission changed. You know, Rolling Greens is on a mission to make shelf-stable plant-based proteins that are chef crafted and from clean ingredients to high protein. We found this gap because A, most of the plant-based alternatives out there right now are refrigerated and frozen. We're shelf stable, which means we live in your pantry. Um, It has a two-year shelf life, but no added binders, fillers. It's made from real ingredients like peas, bean, fermented shiitake mushroom, rice and pea, sea salt, apple and carrot, all of the ingredients you know, love, and can pronounce, and the taste is there. We have some core pillars and key attributes in our company, and it has to taste good. If it doesn't taste good, we're not going to do it. Clean label, convenience. All of our products are ready in you know under 10 minutes or less. And if you can boil water, you can make this product. So all of a sudden, it becomes a camping item. It lives in your pantry. It's a staple. So there's so many great attributes and value proposition to our products and consumers are loving it. And it really comes down to all of those key features. Lindsay, tell me about that transition from the frozen products to shelf stable. What was the feedback from your customers? Were there any challenges and kind of transitioning from like the frozen department of the store to the center store aisle? What was that experience like? 
Yeah. I mean, it was an entirely different category. So an entirely different ball game, new buyers, new way of distribution. We essentially started over consumers. I probably get an email, a phone call almost daily. Where are your Militots, your cauliflower wings? And it breaks our heart because we love these products. You know, our blood, sweat, and tears have gone into every product that we've put out there and only the best for our customers. And so not to say that someday we won't bring them back, But right now in the economy, in the state that we're in, this was the best decision for us in our business. And it was the best decision we've ever made. We will outpace anything that we've done on the frozen side in less than one year of being on the shelves for their shelf stable product. So it was a phenomenal decision and we're really happy about it. Yeah. You know, one of the most important things to do, right, is to make sure that you are staying in business and that you are around for the long term because you could have most delicious product, but if you can't build the business fundamentals around it, then people won't be able to get those anyway. And so it makes sense why you were able to develop this awesome product and make it shelf stable. Um, So talk to me about then, you know, what it's been like getting into retail stores. Are you in a lot of retail stores right now? And what's kind of the footprint of the product? Yeah, we continue to climb daily and we're almost in about 5,000 stores nationally. So including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, Kroger, Safeway Albertsons, Meyer, so key retailers that we partnered with throughout the country. Yeah. And we had the experience from the frozen products in knowing how to get to the buyer, how to sell to the buyer, but it's changed. It's changed over the years and through the pandemic and the days of just walking into a, you know, a big box retailer and saying, try my product out on your shelves are not long gone, but it's few and far between of the opportunities that you get for that. Well, congratulations on the success and growing into retailers right now. I'm curious what it's looked like from growing from a two person team on a food truck to now being able to run a business that's selling in 5,000 stores. Have you had to add more people to your team? Does the company change? And what does that look like for you and your husband as leaders for that? Yeah, we're still a lean, mean machine. So there's not a ton of us still, and we're doing a lot. So that can just, you know, give you a visual of how hard we work on our team. But a great team is everything. It took years. On the food truck, you noted my husband and I, we did everything. I mean, he was the chef. He was the dishwasher. He was, you know, everything. And I, you know, did all the business and so forth. But, you know, you can't really apply that same approach to CPG. It takes a village. And so now that we have actually found an incredible team around us and surrounded ourselves with smarter people than us, it is a complete game changer. So we're very fortunate, but it took a lot of years to get to this point. One of the challenges I know brands experience is when they're growing from, say, 200, 300 doors to thousands of doors, it becomes more difficult to get your head around like the business and all the places that you are and how things are going. How have you been able to navigate that challenge so that you have a better understanding of how your products are doing out in the world? And I know no one has it really figured out, but I just love to to know if there's any like software or partners that you've been able to find or approaches to reviewing the business to make sure that you're able to kind of keep a grasp of how the products are doing. Yeah. I always say that like we're entrepreneurs and especially in consumer packaged goods, what is the end game, right? You know, how quickly do you want to grow? How much capital do you need? You know, you need healthy margins. You need good distribution. You need all of that. But 
you know, going from 200 stores to 4,000 stores looks very different. So what's your end game? And partners, I mean, we have used co-packers since the beginning of our existence for consumer packaged goods. And there is a group, there's many groups that can help you find a good co-man. And there's outsourced sales teams. We still utilize the outsourced sales teams. There's a broker network. You know, there's many ways that you can approach getting into retailers, but really it comes down to putting yourself out there and being persistent. I can't tell you how many times I've either heard a no, a not right now, and I've stayed on the buyer. We've continued our partnership and connection, and ultimately we've landed on the shelves. So just because you hear a no, it just means not right this moment, but you continue to foster your relationship. And there's platforms like Naturally Boulder, Naturally LA. There's lots of different, I can't recall the word right now, but there's definitely, there's lots like of communities and, yeah, and there's, works to be yeah, able to help grow. Yeah. Naturally Boulder was key when I first started out. I went to every single meeting. I networked. I found contacts that put me in front of different suppliers for ingredients. And so getting in a chapter is what I was looking for that mm-hmm. word. A chapter in your area of Natural Boulder, if you have it or Naturally Boulder, it is a phenomenal way to start. Yeah, you know, one thing that I've seen other brands do as well, Navigate is in particular, there's a partner that I worked with before called Crisp. And they yes. take all your data and information to be able to show how your business is performing and easy to read dashboard. So they're like one of my favorites in terms of getting a clear view of how your sales are performing, how your promotions are performing or not to be able to make those business decisions. Because I know, right, like that part of your business looks a lot different when you're in thousands of stores. Right. And you have all these different data sources. And so what Chris does is they consolidate that. And so they make it into to one portal, essentially. So you can drill it down by you know region, by velocity. You just have to maintain and manage the data. That's You need somebody who really can do that for you. Yeah, I love that. So one thing that's been interesting, there's been a lot of kind of backlash against the beyond meets and impossible of the world and kind of this plant-based meat space. I love to hear your perspective of, you know, what the meat alternative space looks like and where it's going to go in the future. Yeah. Well, it's an $8 billion category and rapidly growing. So I believe it is truly here to stay. We've identified an incredible market, the flexitarian market. 22% of all consumers identify as flexitarians, and one-third of U.S. consumers want to give up meat or reduce meat altogether. So we're not here to preach go plant-based 100% of the time. Even if you give up one meal a week, that will be helpful, not only for your diet, but for the planet, relieve some of the stress and the pressure on the planet. So that's really our philosophy. We love Beyond Meat and brands of that nature because they really got the consumer consciousness around plant-based into mainstream. And it yes, it's become saturated since. And that's why we've carved out a new niche and a new category for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's exciting. I was talking with one founder in the space. And one thing that they noted is that the flexitarian market is great. And like now everyone's looking to grow to eat meat every meal. And yep. there's also a capacity that the world's reaching in terms of meat production. And at a certain point, there just won't be any more land to grow meat in the same way. And it's unsustainable over the next 50 to 100 years 
years. So there'll be a supply and demand issue. And so there'll definitely be a growing alternative there as the world changes. Um, From your experience over the past number of years, I'd love to know any insights that you have found or that you share with other founders, what it really takes to build a successful CPG brand. Yeah, well, I was recently interviewed in a magazine. So they asked me five core things. I'm going to go with that because I think these are really important in building a successful brand. So number one, great product, great story, right? Because consumers obviously want the better, you know, a great tasting product, but you'll get that repeat when somebody is connected to your story. So I think, and it helps with selling to investors, buyers, and getting a team on board, right? You have to sell You sell the attributes of your company every single day. Remember, you're in this selling role. So I've forgotten in the past, and I definitely people forget, is that even when you're trying to get somebody as a hire, a new hire on board, you're selling them the vision in the company. You're selling that to the buyer. You're selling that to investors. So constantly be telling your story every day like somebody's never heard it before. Just as passionate, just as driven, and just as much energy around it. A great team, you know, I think when you're starting out, not everyone's fortunate to just kick off with a great team, but ultimately building one is a game changer and it allows you to do what you do best, sell your amazing products. Um, And then I'd say healthy margins. Healthy margins are key. We learned the hard way with our frozen business, right? And now that we're in the shelf stable category, it's a much different ballgame. So we can then afford to hire great talent. We can reinvest in the business and have a healthy margin to sustain our company and capital. I mean, I believe everybody underestimates the amount of capital you need to have a product on shelf. Everybody has their hands in the pot. And even if you're bootstrapping and you want to grow this to a profitable company for the end of time to pass down to your kids, or you want to sell in three years, it's still, I mean, different capital requirements but still require significant capital. And then good distribution. You know, it's always like the chicken before the egg in our industry. But I mean, our goal is to feed the world tasty, healthy, affordable food. And you can't do that without distribution. I love those points. Lindsay, thanks so much for sharing your advice and wisdom and sharing your story on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been great to know you.